Well, good morning, Rimrock. Good, good to see you all today. Very good. Um, last week I started with um, um, <clears throat> sharing with you that I like to watch good movies, so I thought we might as well just keep that rolling and just say my favorite TV show. I said to Ange this week, my wife, I said, they're going to know what I do with my free time. Right? I have a favorite TV show. Well, I have lots of favorite TV shows. That's really sad. <laughs> I just start again, and he can just edit that out when he puts that on there. Anyway, my favorite television show, one of them, uh, was uh, Secret Millionaire. Now, when I asked First Service to raise their hands for how many people remember watching Secret Millionaire, nobody raised their hands, not one. What, is there, did anybody watch, it's old, I realize, like two years, so it's ancient history. All right, two, three, four, great, excellent. Well, the rest of you are dismissed. And, uh, now, so let me explain the, the premise of the, of the show is at the beginning we get introduced to uh, a person who is a millionaire, and they spend six days volunteering at uh, three different organizations. And uh, along the way, we get a chance to see what those organizations do, how they're serving their community, how they're making a difference in people's lives. And what the organizations don't know is that the, the millionaire person is kind of evaluating and, and um, learning which one of those organizations he wants to make a contribution to. And so uh, it's kind of fun during the, all through the show, I, I find myself kind of playing along and, and asking myself the question like, oh, which one, which one, oh, I really like that one, and oh, I don't know about her, and you know, I mean, you know, I, I'm playing along and I'm, I'm uh, imagining, what if I had that kind of money and I could write a check with that many zeros? Like I can write a check for a lot of zeros, they're just in the wrong place, right? Like, it's useless. The zeros, they have to be in the right spot to be worth anything, right? But I find myself kind of playing along. And then at the end of the show, then it's revealed. He reveals, or the, the millionaire reveals himself and says, oh, you know, I wasn't just volunteering for the week, but I want to make a contribution. And so then he gives generously, or she gives generously. And it's a lot of fun. It's inspiring, Right? I find myself uh, asking that question, whoa, what would I do if I had that kind of money? But what I found was that there was a subtle thing that happened while I watched that show too. It was subtle. But sometimes I found myself thinking, boy, I wish I could give generously like that. Why? What's, the, what's the underlying inference? I can't give generously because I don't have that kind of net worth. Right? And I'll tell you, when that started to creep in, I mean, I had to be careful. Uh, uh, I had to be careful when I was watching uh, a show like that or when I uh, saw uh, ideas of generosity. Today, in this message, I want to stir our thinking towards generous living. I want to stir our thinking about generosity. What is it? What can it be? And who's it for exactly? Um, let me pause and let me invite um, God to, uh, 
kind of get between me and you this morning, okay? Because he's the one that I really want you to hear from. Father, we just invite you through your spirit. Father, would you just use me? Um, Father, the things that you've laid on my heart um, over the last couple weeks, the things that you're showing me in my life, God, would you just, um, uh, would you speak through me so that these folks can hear what you have for them? Father, we thank you for the wisdom that we find in your word. We trust you that you have our best uh, interest in mind always. So, Father, would you just prepare us to receive what you have for us today? Amen. We are, uh, we've been spending several weeks now um, going through uh, the book of Proverbs. And the book of Proverbs is not primarily a book of do's and don'ts, but it's a collection of wisdom, nuggets of wisdom, uh, collected and written down. Uh, written down by uh, the wisest man to ever live, King Solomon. And he wrote it not only for us, but he also wrote it for his, uh, his kids, uh, his son, um, who um, would become king. And so all through the book of Proverbs, you read, listen, my son, to my wisdom, right? Listen to this and pay attention. And so um, God saw fit to include that in the Bible, that we can trust it and we can look to it and say this is wisdom that we can learn from as well. And so uh, this morning we are going to look at how to live uh, uh, generously. Now last week's message, we, and I kind of consider it part one, so if you didn't get it, uh, check it out online, it's on the church website, um, but take a listen to that because we, we spent some time talking about um, the importance uh, of finding freedom from debt. Now, we, we did lots of disclaimers in that message, and we, you know, there was lots of um, fun stuff in that message as well, but uh, we talked about that borrowing money isn't a sin. We don't find that in Scripture, but being in debt is unwise, and it limits, it limits our opportunity to respond to God's calling to give. And so we want to just pick up there because when, uh, the, when the money that is coming in already has somebody else's name on it, it limits uh, where we can or how we can give uh, generously. And generous living is important. This morning I want to look at uh, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25. Proverbs eleven twenty-five, and it says, A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. A generous person will prosper, and whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. I hope that you have had that kind of experience. The experience of when you have uh, given generously to other people that you find yourself being refreshed. It is one of my favorite parts of giving generously is that, uh, that feeling of being refreshed that I receive as well. I worked with a, uh, with a guy in uh, Arizona, uh, and when, um, he would, uh, when he would give a gift to somebody else, you know, sometimes, uh, maybe you can identify this, sometimes it's difficult for us to receive a gift or to receive generosity from someone else. 
And, and when someone would um, kind of push back, no, 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 I, I, don't, don't, I don't need that, or I don't want that, or, and they would push back, and here was what Jared would say. He said, don't steal the joy of my giving. That's a phrase that stuck with me. Don't steal the joy of my giving. Like when we give generously, there is a sense of refreshment that comes on to us as well. God has created us to be generous. It's a part of being created in his image and in his uh, nature. And it's a part of what we want to kindle and, and, um, and reignite in our own lives. But here's the, and here's the interesting thing. As we read through the book of Proverbs, over and over and over again, it says, for the rich to be generous to the poor. For the rich to be generous to the poor. For the rich to be generous to the poor. But when I read those verses, sometimes I think it's talking about other people. Because if I had us all get in a line, and I just one at a time, in private, eyeball to eyeball, and I ask you the question, are you rich? There aren't very many of us that would say, yep, I'm rich. Because many of us define rich by what somebody else has. Rich always tends to look up, right? So the, the person who has more than me, they're rich. I'm not rich, they're rich. Trouble is, it's, it's an issue of perspective, right? In 2010, there was an interesting project that happened um, called Miniature Earth. I put the, the website in your notes, in the sermon notes. I put it there so that you could visit it later. But in 2010, uh, there was a project done that said, we're going to take the ratios and the, um, the composition of the uh, population of the earth, and we're going to... Uh, apply all those same ratios to if the population of the earth was 100 people. You understand what they're doing? So they went from 6 billion people, and they, they shrunk it down to say, if it was 100 people, what would be true? And so they, they did it by cultural demographics, um, they, uh, racially, um, they, they showed that, and then they also began to show it by income or by prosperity as well. And it was very very enlightening. I would encourage you, if you have any question as to whether all of us, and I mean all of us in the room, are rich, I want to encourage you to just take the four minutes to watch the video because I think it's very enlightening. So I want to ask you just to, for the sake of our uh, discussion today, let's just all assume that we're rich. Because I know I'm right. So they put me up here. No, I'm just kidding. It does not make me right. But, but uh, when we look at um, those of us who live in this culture, in America today, we're in the top 1% when we look globally at prosperity. Okay? So for our discussion today, we are all rich. So let's just start with that assumption, and then let's move forward. And I want to share with you or look at this verse in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 18. And here Paul, now let me give you the context. Paul is giving some instruction to this young pastor named Timothy, and he comes to this uh, part in verse, six, in verse uh, 17 where he says, And those who are wealthy, give them these instructions. 
And here's what he says in the next verse, in verse 18. He says, command them, the wealthy, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. One of the things that I so appreciated about uh, Pastor Steve, and one of the things that he kind of planted in my life that I will remember for a long time, um, uh, he demonstrated uh, something that I loved, right? When he would invite me or we would find ourselves at lunch together or getting a cup of coffee, if, uh, if, if Steve got the check first, right? If he got the check first, um, then I kind of felt compelled to, oh, no, 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 I mean, you got it last time. L let me get it. Y'all been there once or twice? Now, some of you are like, no, I never do that. I sit there and wait, right? It's the Geico commercial. I got alligator arms. I can't quite reach the check. Hurry up, take the check, right? So some of you are there, and then you really need this message on generosity. But, but here's the thing. Pastor Steve, man, he was quick, man. I, sometimes I wouldn't even see the check, hit the table, and old Steve had it, right? And I would protest, oh, no, no, let me, let, me, let me pay this time. You got it last time. Let me get it this time. And I love this. Without fail, Steve would say, Ah, don't worry about it. We got the same dad. Ah, don't worry about it. We got the same dad. What was he saying? Steve was putting a voice to something that was a reality in his life that he understood that everything that he had been given had come from the father. And that he just saw that deposit for somebody else. But I love the way he said it. Ah, don't worry about it. We got the same dad. It's so good. And this week I, I realized or I recognized or I discovered that that attitude was an attitude that King David himself had as well. If you look in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 14, 1 Chronicles 29, 14, and let me give you the context now. King David had a passion, a desire to build the temple for God. He was consumed by it. He loved the idea of building God's temple. But God came to him and said, that's not your job. I am not giving you that job. You're, you're not going to be the one to build the temple for me. But David then spent those last years of his life gathering together the resources, drawing up the plans so that his son Solomon could finish the work and build the temple, right? And so here is King David, and they are in the midst of gathering these resources from God's people, from the Israelites. And here's what uh, David says uh, in, uh, in light of God's people and the generosity that they had shown in bringing their gold and their silver and their precious items to be a part of the building of the temple. And here's what David says, 1 Chronicles 29, 14. David says, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you and we have been given, we have given you only what comes from your hand. I mean, David just used more words. We got the same father. Right? Everything comes from God. And when we have that perspective 
that everything that we have, in fact, the song that we sang, great choice, Tom, the song that we sang, that even the breath that we have in our lungs is from God, and so I'm going to give it. When we have that perspective that everything comes from God, then we are free in our spirits just to pass it along. It's such a great picture. And so I started to think, like, how can I capture that in, in picture form? How can I show that? What, what kind of demonstrates this attitude that what God uh, pours into me, then I give to somebody else? And I thought of this idea of a faucet. If you think about that, I turn on my faucet at home and water comes out. But the source of the water is not the faucet. The faucet simply delivers what is being given to it. The faucet is the conduit through which the water is delivered. And I want us to begin to think about it this way, that God has poured into our life resources and other things. He has given us uh, uh, money and other things that are intended to be passed on to someone else. That in a very real way, we become a faucet for God's blessings into somebody else's life. He loves to use us to bless people. I love the picture of the faucet. And here's the cool thing. Like, this is a video loop, right? It'll go all day if we leave it. And you know what? In reality, that's the way that it is. That faucet doesn't dry up. God, our Father, is just pouring into our lives blessings that we are to give to other people. But we get there when we have a, the right perspective to realize that everything we have comes from the Lord. Now, now we're freed up just to be able to pass it along. We got the same, Dad. I want to uh, ask you the question, and we're going to dwell on the question this morning. What have you been given that someone else needs? What have you been given that somebody else needs? And I think that's why last week's mission, uh, m message was critical, right? This idea that um, when we're in debt, um, our options for giving are limited, right? And so finding freedom really means that we can share with anyone at any time in whatever amount God prompts us to give. It really becomes important. We can, uh, we can have all the water that we want coming through the faucet, but if we, put, uh, if we divert some of that water off to something else, then there's less for the person that it's really intended for. So important. In fact, I want you to uh, consider Proverbs chapter 3, verses 27 and 28. Here's what it says. Another one of those nuggets of wisdom. Solomon says, Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, Come back later and I'll give it tomorrow when you have it with you. You know, Solomon is saying, man, don't delay. Don't delay. When God prompts you, when you have the opportunity to live generously, don't delay in that. Respond. Act. Give it. 
when you have that opportunity, act on it. But I don't want you to think that generous living is all about money. You know, it's not all about that. You don't have to be a secret millionaire in order to give or live generously. Okay, I want to illustrate that with a video, and then we're going to talk about some other ways that we can answer that question. What have you been given that someone else needs? Check out this video. I'm trying to do a couple of nice things for people today. I just wondered whether there's anything I could do for either of you. I don't know. Nice to meet you. I'm Joe. Hello, Hi. Joe. Hey. <laughs> I'm trying to be kind to as many people as I can be. What do you think about that? Yeah, that sounds nice. Such a unusual request. We can only see. You do need directions. Do you have a minute? No, sorry, Worst case scenario is that no one trusts me. I wonder where I can help you with your bags. You seem to have it's a really, lot. It's really sweet of you, but I'm okay. People are a bit suspicious. They don't really want your help enough for them to put themselves in danger of someone who might have ulterior motives, you know? Um, no. Anything nice. Anything. Pay for the next person's bus fare. It's the first time I've ever done this. Really? <laughs> yes. I'm just paying for her bus. You got a ball boy now? I'm building a structure <laughs> if you want to help, but I think it will take a while. No, I'm down. <laughs> Are you rich? <laughs> Why do you ask that? Because you want to help people, but you need money. Well, I don't have money, but I've got time. You want one now? You're lying, you don't have one. No, it's easy to help people and have a conversation with people. It's one of my really good friends' birthdays next week, and I can't make it. You have to make some effort with people's birthdays. If no one makes an effort with your birthday, it's kind of sad, isn't it? Oh, oh my God, hello. That is really kind of you. Mwah. This project, it's about kind of small things that you can do to make an impact. I just want to do one nice thing for one person today, and that's what I want to do. I guarantee you, you've just done that. Thank you. That's very nice to hear, man. Appreciate that. Bless. I, just, I do, I feel... I'm sorry. I just feel really moved. You know, we can't say what is meaningful or not, because a small thing is meaningful, because it can have that butterfly effect. Did you catch the question? He was asked a question, are you rich? And he said, well, why do you ask that? He says, because if you want to help people, you have to have money. And I think that is an idea that catches in us sometimes. And we believe that. And I love his response. He said, I don't have money, but I have time. I want to suggest to you today that that is one of the ways that we can answer this question. What have you been given that somebody else needs? And I think that, that we don't answer that question only with money, that we can answer it with three other things. One is time, one is talent, one is words. And I want to just, uh, as we're finishing up this message, I want to plant these three seeds uh, in your thinking. Do you realize that each one of us has been given exactly the same amount of time each day? 
And each of us makes the choice of how much we pack into our day. And we can, we can put so many things in our day that we squeeze the margin of our time. But if we do that, we lose the ability to slow down, to pause, and to share our time with somebody else. What have you been given that somebody else needs? It might be your time. You know, when we got, um, when we knew we were moving here to Rapid City from Omaha, some of our really good friends from Omaha uh, came to us uh, a few days before we were packed up and ready to go. And they came to us and said, we're going to follow you to, uh, to Rapid City and we're going to help you unpack. Um, we resisted. Uh, the thought of house guests, like right then, we weren't excited about that. We resisted, but they insisted. And so we had a little caravan come from Omaha to Rapid City. And let me tell you, over the course of two days, every box was unloaded unpacked, dishes were where they were supposed to be, pictures were on the wall, furniture was arranged, beds were set up, laundry was done, meals were made. It was a blessing. The house felt like home quickly. What have you been given that somebody else needs? It might just be your time. But in order to have that to share, we have to, we have to control how much do we jam into our schedule so that we have the margin to be able to pause and to share it with other people. I want to suggest that another way that we can answer that question, what have you been given that somebody else needs? It may be your talent and I'll illustrate it this way. I, I called my mom this week um, because uh, for many years that I was growing up, we had other people's kids in our home. My mom babysat for years. She really enjoyed it most days. 53% of the time she enjoyed it. Now, she enjoyed, she, we always had other people's kids in our house. So I called her this week. I said, Mom, like, when did you start babysitting? And she starts this way. Well, before I was out of high school, I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, no I'm sorry. Not, not ancient history, Mom. Let's, I mean, come on, bring it into my lifetime, right? I mean, come on. And so she said, well, you know, the early 80s. So, so in the early 80s, I really, I started. And so then she began to list the people that she had babysat for. She remembers them, right? I mean, they, those families became a part of our family. I had forgotten a lot of them. I wasn't, I mean, I was in the early 80s, I was 12-ish, whatever, right? And so, but I remember these people. She starts listing them, and I remember them, and I can picture some of them, and I, I remember some of their kids and, and all these people, but I, 
here's the cool thing. My mom is still babysitting other people's kids. Today, like, she might get Sundays off, but she is investing in other people's kids. And then I started thinking about those people that she named. And she started with Terry Zapolitol. Oh, yeah, I remember. I had forgotten her. Terry came to know the Lord after Mom started babysitting for them. And she started, she started telling me other names. And I went, oh, yeah, I remember. Jerry and Kathy, they came to know the Lord after we started babysitting for them. And then there was Robin, single mom. I remember she came to know the Lord after mom started babysitting for them. And on and on and on. I could think think of five that I knew of, uh, of the parents who came to know the Lord because mom chose to serve them in that way. She used her talent. And then I started thinking about their kids. And many of those kids I know of, I don't know of all of them, I've lost track of a lot of them, but a lot of those kids I know have responded to the gospel that they saw my mom live out while they were in our home. What do you have that somebody else needs? It might be your talent. And it doesn't have to be Picasso kind of talent, although if you ask me, I'm not an art guy, but... That guy wasn't all that great. But let's, how about, how about Sistine, uh, Michelangelo? Let's go there. He was, this is more my taste, ears in wrong places. Stuff. Whew. Do you see? It's like a rabbit thing. And I, and I do children's ministry and they keep up. Wow. But the point is, it doesn't have to be this huge grand talent. It can be a little something. But when you share it, God does pretty amazing things with it. I thought of another guy that shared a talent that he had when Ange and I were in ministry in um, Chandler, Arizona. Uh, Paul and Maureen, we were blessed because they came and uh, worked with third graders in children's ministry. And I'm not, this isn't a recruiting thing, although I'd be happy to talk to anybody that wants to volunteer for children's ministry. But here was, here's the story. Paul and Maureen ran a um, uh, repair, a car garage in town. And he just extended the offer. He said, any pastor on staff, um, and there were probably 12 or 15 of us, pastoral staff guys on on staff at this church. And he said, any of you guys want to bring your cars to the shop and we'll change your oil every month. And I'll tell you, for where we were in that season of our life, that was generous. I mean, that that was cool. But what was Paul doing? Paul lived his life, and Maureen lived their life in such a way that what God had given them, they just passed on to other people. In fact, the, the more we got to know Paul and Maureen, the more they became a couple that we looked at, Angie and I looked at and said, we want to be generous like that. What do you have that other people need? What have you been given that other people need? It might be your talent, whether that's big or small. 
But I want to suggest there's one more. One more way to answer the question. And I want to suggest to you that maybe one of the things that you've been given that somebody else needs is words. Words. I have a good friend also in Omaha. His name's Jerry. Jerry's a, a mortgage broker, so Jerry knows everybody, right? And, and he's never met a stranger. Anybody ever know somebody like that? Hey, how you doing? I never met you before, but hey, we're obviously old friends, right? I mean, Jerry, just, he knows everybody, and he can talk to anybody. But here's what, the thing that I love about Jerry. When we became friends, and I got to know Jerry, and Jerry decided that he was going to be an encouragement to me, here's what he started doing. From time to time, I would get a phone call from him. And if I didn't get to the call, and I didn't pick it up, he'd leave a message. And this is what the message would be. Over and over and over and over again, Jerry does this. Here's the message. Hey, boom. No need to call me back. I just wanted to let you know I'm thinking about you right now. I'm praying for you. Love you, brother. Click. That's it. And you know what? I felt no... Uh, I'm thinking of the word. I don't think I can pronounce it. I, I'm feeling no compunction to call him back. It's not that, man, if I don't call him back, he's not going to like me or he's going to think I'm mad at him. There was none of that. It was just Jerry releasing me from having to make the phone call back and just saying, I am thinking about you. I love you. I'm praying for you. Click. And I mean, he does it all the time. And he doesn't just do it for me. He does it with all of his contacts. He'll call people that he's doing business with, that he has done business with, that he wants to do business with, and he'll just call them up. Hey, just it, no need to call me back. I'm just thinking about you today. I'm praying for you. Have a great day. Click. And I want to suggest to you that sometimes the thing that God pours into us is a word of encouragement to somebody else. Have you had the experience of just kind of doing life, just going through your day, and somebody comes to your mind? Somebody that you know, and they kind of come to your mind, you're thinking about them like, I wonder, I haven't talked to that person in a long time. I wonder how they're doing. You think of that person, let me encourage you, pull out your phone, leave them a message. Make the very first words. You don't have to call me back. And then just leave them a little bit of encouragement. You know what? It takes you 15 seconds. But the person on the other end, I find when God prompts me and I follow through and make that kind of call, that person needed to hear that encouragement that day. I think it's one of the ways that we can follow Paul's um, command to pray continuously. When somebody comes to our mind, just pause, pray for them, leave them a little message, and then off and go on. One of the things that we've been given that somebody else needs is a word of encouragement. I want to end with this, uh, this story, and then, we'll, um, and then we'll land the plane. Um, Blake is my son. He's 15 years old. And uh, I can honestly say that uh, I, don't, I don't know anybody else, I don't know, I have not met anybody else that I have seen as consistently look for the good in other people and then take the next step to actually speak it to them. 
to point it out, to give them a compliment or a word of encouragement. I've, I haven't met anybody else that does it as, as consistently as Blake. And it was really cool this summer. I got to go to Costa Rica with Blake and with a group of high school kids. And one night we were sitting around the table. I think there were 17 or 18 of us. And we were sitting around the table. And I, don't, I couldn't even tell you how we got to this point. But um, someone, one of the guys in the group, started sharing a story about Blake. And this was the story that he shared. He said, when Blake started playing the drums on Saturday nights at Rimrock downtown, he said, I noticed that every week he had something encouraging to say to me. And after several weeks, he said, I started thinking, who's the new guy and why is he always complimenting me? But he said, as it continued, I began to ask myself the question, why am I not encouraging other people like that? And then he said, you know what, it's made me want to open my eyes and be better at encouraging the people that I run into as well. I want to suggest to you that maybe one of the things that has been given to you that someone else needs is just a word of encouragement. What is it? What are those things that God's poured into your life? Is it money? It might be. And if it is, then I want to encourage you to give generously when God prompts you to give. I mean, be outlandish. And you can find that. But be generous when God prompts you to give. Is it your time? Man, really consider your calendar. How can you put more margin in your schedule so that you have the time to pause, to linger, and to share your time with somebody else? Is it talent? doesn't have to be a big thing. It might be a really small thing, but those small acts of kindness to other people display God's nature of kindness to them. And what about our words? When you feel prompted, I want to encourage you this week, when you feel prompted, you, you think of someone, come to mind, just pull out your phone and leave them a message. Just quick. This week, look for ways to be a faucet in people's lives. That what God pours into you, you just deliver to someone else. And I think you'll find it will bring refreshment in your life. Let me pray for you guys as you consider that this week. God, I do pray that you would just... Uh, work in our spirits, God, that you would speak to us this week. God, would you open our eyes to be able to see ways that we can live generously. Father, you, you are so generous to us. It started with the very breath that you breathed into us and you gave us life, but God, it just rolls on and on and on. And not the least of which is the salvation that you provided through Jesus Christ, this outlandish gift that you make available to us. Father, we want to reflect that generosity. Would you help us this week to really consider, look for, and then move 
on ways to have a life lived generously. Amen. Amen.